Good news and great joy. Today I want to talk to you about good news and great joy. Sometimes good news is relative. Did you know that? And it can come at scary times. If you found out that your house burned down, you were away for the week and they call you in the middle of the night and say, your house burned down. It's kind of bad news. But they tell you your kids are okay. Oh, There's been an accident just two weeks ago. My friend Cindy, she gave me a call and she said, Pastor, Paul's been in an accident. Someone called me and I don't know what's going on. He's been in an accident and they're taking him to Hershey Medical Center. I'm on my way there now. I don't know anything else. I got in my car and as I drove towards Hershey, I was wondering what news we would face when we arrived. I was praying for Paul's healing and praying for his protection. And I was praying for Cindy and I was praying for their kids. My mind went to Paul's prayer list. Isn't that weird? My mind went to prayer list. And I thought, I sure hope I don't have to do a funeral. When there's accidents on 283, people are flying. I thought of the people on Paul's prayer list. I don't want to be weird or morbid, but... I was honestly thinking, what will I tell them if that's what we're facing? I'd made up my mind that if I saw them, there were certain people who I was going to take a copy of that list. And I was going to say, I want you to know what he was praying for. In reality, is when life comes towards the end, the most important thing. Some things that are important, they seem important until other things come up. Have you ever noticed that? You have a whole lot of stuff that you got. Oh, man, pastor, I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff I got to do until we get certain news. And then everything else stops. Everything else comes to a standstill. I don't like to think the worst. But when I got to the emergency department, I was feeling a little better because they let me in. That's always a good thing. If they make you stay way out, that's not good. And then went back and they gave me a room number and that made me feel even better. And then I saw Paul's daughter. And as I neared the room, I heard my buddy's voice. I started feeling better. I looked at him and I saw him lying on the bed and I saw that his arms were there and his legs were there and they were moving. And I started feeling even better. A semi-truck going westbound had crossed the median and hit Paul as he was driving eastbound. I knew Paul was in pain. Some people may say he felt like he had been hit by a truck. And, but he could talk. And he could move. And he was alive. In some ways, it, I felt a little odd. I didn't want to be disrespectful. But after a minute or so, I couldn't help but smile and start laughing. That's me. I'm kind of weird. It is true. I laugh at inappropriate times, so I'm sorry. I do. I really laugh at some really weird times. People are like, yeah, he does. But can I tell you that there was a joy that came up in my heart? I know this was bad, but he was alive. My friend could have easily been dead. We could have easily been been planning a funeral. He could have been paralyzed. All of these terrible things could have happened. His life had been preserved. He had been saved. And somehow I felt this incredible sense 
of joy in my heart. And that's, you know, like I said, I know he felt like he got hit by a truck, but and in a little while, Cindy and I were laughing and we were smiling around Paul's bed there. And Paul was joking. When you realize you've been saved. You might have some bad news. But I want you to keep in mind, it's all relative. How many of you have had those phone calls where a family member was in a car accident? So-and-so was in an accident. Are they alive? Are they okay? Well, they're taking them to the hospital, but they're going to make, oh, okay. feels bad that your car gets smashed or that you have to pay for that, but it doesn't matter in the scope of life. Joy comes when you find that that person who you care about was preserved. Their life was saved. In the Gospel of Luke, we find the account of Jesus' birth. His birth was first announced by an angel to a group of shepherds on the hillside of Bethlehem. This encounter involves an angel, a dazzling light show as the glory of God shone around them, and then a choir of angels appearing out of the darkness and praising God and giving glory to God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now listen, I don't know what you are facing, but the message that the angel proclaimed to those shepherds is the same message that the Lord would proclaim to you today. Do not be afraid. I bring you great news that will cause joy for all the people. A Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This Christmas season, we have great news to share. A Savior has been born. Now, here's the reality. Many people don't yet recognize the significance of this announcement. Because they've not seen their need for a savior. Do you understand that principle? Your house burned down. Oh man, that's kind of a bummer. But your family's okay. (sighs) You get a bad report. You hear negative news. You hear something that makes you aware of your need. But you realize that someone has intervened on your behalf. I have good news for you. A Savior has been born. Can I tell you what saviors do? I've told you this before. What do liars do? What do cheaters do? What do thieves do? What do saviors do? They save. A Savior has been born unto you. And it's going to bring great joy. You see, today, a Savior has come. And I declare to you today... That he's going to accomplish the mission for which he was sent. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. And he found you and he found me, didn't he? He found us. When we didn't even know we needed a savior, he was looking for us. 
And God is at work revealing himself to mankind even today. Hear me today. While you're sitting in your pew and while I'm standing here on this pulpit, the spirit of the Lord is going throughout the land, preparing hearts and preparing minds for the message of the gospel. He's opening the ears, the ears of those who are deaf so that they may hear the voice of God. He's opening the eyes of those who are blind, so that they can see their need for a Savior. Hearts are being stirred even now. Hearts that previously were hard to the gospel are being crushed by circumstances and situations. And now men and women are becoming receptive to this good news. Don't get uptight when you see some people's circumstances going from bad to worse. Because it's the very hand of God working salvation in their lives. Sometimes we get nervous and we get upset. Oh no, we hear another bad report. Listen, the hand of God, God is at work going throughout the land, preparing the hearts. He responds to the intercession and the prayers of his people. So when you and I pray, we come into agreement. It activates something in the spirit. He's coming to bring salvation. The Old Testament foretold that a savior would be born. Let me share with you just a few of the things that the word says. In Genesis, it says this Messiah would be the seed or the offspring of a woman. And he would crush the head of Satan. And Satan would bruise his heel. Later on in Genesis, it said that he would come from the seed or the offspring of Abraham. And he would bless all the nations of the earth. In Deuteronomy, it said that this Messiah would come and he would be a prophet like Moses, to whom God said we should listen to. I mean, these prophecies are so amazing. The prophet Micah said that he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He'd be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Isaiah declared that this Savior would be born of a virgin. Now, come on. Second Samuel. It said that he would have a throne, that he would have a kingdom, that he would establish a dynasty or a house, starting with King David, that would last forever and forever and forever. The prophet Isaiah said that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that he would possess, once again, this idea of an everlasting kingdom. Zechariah prophesied that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Righteous and having salvation, coming with gentleness. Isaiah also prophesied that this Messiah, this Savior, would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought him peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are made whole. The prophet Isaiah also said that he would die among the wicked, and that he'd be buried with the rich. The psalmist said that he would be resurrected from the grave, for God would not allow the Holy One to see decay. And Malachi 
that he would be the son of righteousness for all who revere him and look for his coming again. The prophet Zechariah, he said about this Savior that he is the one whom Israel will one day recognize as the one they pierced, causing bitter grief. And then Daniel, he said that this Messiah, this Savior, would come again from the clouds of heaven as the Son of God. I don't know if you know the good news. I pray in my heart that there would be a revelation that a Savior has been born. Man, what good news. For so long, I didn't know I needed a Savior. Saved from what? There was almost a switch that has to be turned on in men and women's hearts where they say, I'm okay, I'm okay. There needs to be this switch turned on that says, I need a Savior. What joy it brings when we hear that a Savior has been born. What joy it brings to us to know when we think of our lost loved ones, when we think of all these people we've been praying for, that there's one who's coming for them. You care about your kids, you care about your grandkids, you care about your nieces and your nephews, you care about those people that you work with, but there's someone who cares about them more and he's coming to seek and to save those who are lost. He's a savior, not in word alone, he's a savior indeed. And even today, as we stand here and proclaim his name, he is at work calling men and women who you say they have no interest in God. They're too far gone. They don't want anything to do with him. I'm telling you, he's coming for them. He's coming for them. Those who are hard, those who are callous, those whose hearts you said, Pastor, I prayed so long, I fasted, I've done everything I know. I'm telling you that the Savior is coming, seeking those who are lost. Isaiah 35, verse 3, says, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. That's one of the things that we pray. I told you that's what God is doing right now. He's opening blind eyes. Men and women who cannot see their need are beginning to see. They're beginning to understand. People who cannot hear the voice of God. I prophesy to you today. I declare it over Eastern Lancaster County and over Chester County and over Berks County. That God is unstopping the ears of those who are spiritually deaf who cannot hear. I declare it in Jesus' name. I declare in Jesus' name that he is opening the eyes of those who are blind who can now see their need for a Savior because Jesus is coming. He's coming soon for his people and he's looking for a remnant who is holy and righteous. Listen to me. This is what he's going to do. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, and the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It'll be called the way of holiness. It'll be for those who walk on that way. 
The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go on about. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed. Only the redeemed will walk there. And listen to this. Verse 10. Those the Lord has what? Has rescued. Savior saved. That's what they do. That's what they do. He's made to save. He's made to rescue. He will fulfill the purpose for which God sent him. He will accomplish the work that God has foreordained for him to do. That he came to seek and to save those who are lost. Did you hear what it says? And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Now, I'm just telling you, I got good news. It's going to cause you great joy. This is God's word. This is what he said. Good news, great joy. A Savior's been born. And that's exactly what he's doing now in our community, in your family, and in your lives. Will you simply believe him and take him at his word? He said he's coming to seek and to save. And I'm so excited that soon he's coming back on the clouds. Father, thank you that you are a savior who's coming to seek and to save. I pray that you would allow us to be able to point people towards you, to guide them to you, to get out of their way, make a way for the Lord, straight paths for the Lord, so that those who are blind and those who are lame and those who cannot see or hear can see that highway of holiness. God, let your blessings rest upon this people. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit empower them. I pray that as they reach out and touch those people who you've put on their prayer list, I thank you that you're going to save them, that you're doing your work. And God, we commit that we're going to do ours to simply point our friends and family and bring them to Jesus and point them to Jesus and watch you rescue them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.